This is the Data Privacy Detective, and today we're going to view the consumer privacy landscape through the lens of a company that helps people remove sensitive personal information from the internet. Our guest today is uh, Tom Daly. Tom, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Joe. Uh, thanks for having me. Now, Tom, you're the Chief Executive Officer, the CEO of MePRISM, and that's spelled M-E-P-R-I-S-M, PRISM. And MePRISM is a consumer data privacy company that programmatically removes people's sensitive information from the web. So it's great to talk to you about this topic today. But Tom, how did you get into this business? What led you into this? Um, thank, thank you, Joe. Uh, so my background actually is in uh, institutional markets. I spent about 25 years uh, on, on Wall Street working in financial markets, equities, fixed income, things like that. And um, my perspective on the, the, the world of uh, consumer data really looks at the, um, the, 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 that whole world as really kind of a, a marketplace. Your virtual footprint can only be monetized vis-a-vis -vis you, uh, mine vis-a-vis -vis me. And that's really the business model of most of the consumer data world. And Let's think about that together really a minute, Tom. I mean, we go on Google and we search. It doesn't cost us anything. We get all this, or, you know, I just pick Google. There are many search engines. But, you know, why are they doing that? What's behind it? That's that's uh, that, that's exactly right. Basically, what when when uh, when when folks say um, you know if you're not paying, then you are the product. The business model of Google or Facebook is to uh, measure us, create a unique uh, data profile of us, and then that data profile uh, is sold uh, to advertisers. That's one very practical way that uh, that that our data, our unique data, is bought and sold. Um, and those records, uh, float around and, um, they, they, they trade around us, even though we don't actually get any economic benefit from that. Uh, the companies do, we get a service that we don't pay for, but, but it's a very opaque financial uh, arrangement. Um, data about us is also uh, harvested by, uh, by companies that literally sell that data to anyone, uh, data brokers in particular. That's another subset of the data economy and one that we got particularly interested in when we started MePRISM. Originally, the idea was, if this is actually a kind of marketplace out there, why is there no informed consent? Why does the, why does the consumer not have anything to do with the the monetization of their data, which in our view is 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 their property in some ways, and, and of course a, you know a great deal more about this transaction than going on there. So you came at it not as a as a tech professional, but as somebody who observes markets and knew a great deal about them, and said, "Wait a minute, look, there's value being traded here, and a lot of us don't even know it." Absolutely, and um, and that's that's abhorrent for a lot of reasons. Uh, if you're uh, uh, an efficient market person. This is not a good outcome for for anybody. You can't have companies have all of the information, and you know tens, hundreds of millions of people have no information. That's not a good. Uh, that's not an optimal um, uh, uh, economic arrangement for the system writ large. But right. I think of it as it's not a fair trade. 
Well, what, what landscape do you see out there about how personal information about all of us uh, today is gathered, shared, used, and, and misused? I, I think w- there's a lot of harm that happens when uh, there's this kind of asymmetry of information. And uh, there's all sorts of things going on um, to address some of the harms that happen. Um, for example, you know, we're, we're in a... Um, a notice and, 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 and consent legal regime. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we, our data is, it's legal for companies to collect data about us. It's legal for a data broker to look at public records and put together a, uh, a profile of data about uh, every single consumer and then sell that data um, to anyone with a credit card. And, and if I may, uh, just to, just to, to interrupt uh, briefly, you're talking largely about the United States. Am I, am I right? I am talking about the uh, that. Yes, absolutely. That's a very important. Okay, Europe may be a different picture, but so a- you're uh, to sharpen my question a bit. So you're looking at the U.S. market, and what what do you see there? So in the U.S. market, we have uh, thousands and thousands of. I'm going to reel it into a, a specific subset of the uh, uh, the the consumer data economy. There are thousands and thousands of, of data brokers. Uh, and these are companies that that uh, have virtually no relationship with uh, with normal human beings, and yet have portfolios of data about them, their behavior, their lifestyle, their um, uh, their, their their purchase history, their medical conditions, their propensities to to uh, to be swindled. You name it. There's a there's a category. And uh, companies that we that maybe we know about big names like LexisNexis and Axiom, Epsilon, Experian, um, and then there are literally hundreds, if not thousands, of other ones that we don't know about. And these are companies that have data about people. People have no relationship with those companies, and those companies sell that data. Well, many of my listeners, may, you mentioned Axiom, for example, and I think on their website, they claim to have, on average, about 4,000 data points about each person in the United States. Yeah. Uh, and, and we are not even aware of their name. Uh, this is what you're talking about. That's exactly right. This has just happened. This, this, this marketplace has evolved. Um, technology has made it very, very easy uh, to collect all this data. Uh, collected about vast amounts of people, uh, enrich it so they can make predictions about people. And it's happened largely in a way that is unregulated. Um, and there's a market for all this data, which is, uh, which is why the, the, the forces of capitalism have caused it to grow. Now, as with any um, excess in a financial market, and this is an unregulated financial market, things start to go wrong. You start to see harm out there. What we look for at MePRISM, we're concerned about people search companies in particular because they present a real problem for, uh, for unique consumers and organizations uh, because this data can be purchased and then used to either steal somebody's identity, to harass them, to stalk them, to use as the predicate for a, a, a cyber or phishing campaign against a company bad things happen. And there are, you know, little, I would say, green shoots out there um, in, in certain uh, spots of uh, state and federal uh, legislative uh, efforts to correct some of these problems. Um, one example is the Judicial Privacy Act. In, two th- in 2020, um, a federal judge 
was unfortunately attacked at her home. Uh, her husband was, was shot and her, her son was actually killed. The assailant had purchased the, the judge's home address from a data broker and, and, and also the home addresses of attorneys that this fellow did not like and doctors who were under his care. The, the, the assailant was, was stopped from acting on the rest of his kill list by the, uh, the, the authorities. But they found this evidence that, that again, this was data that he was right. legal from the graphic example of, of, the, of what can happen here. Well, what what, what is uh, me Prism's approach to dealing with that? So we we have technology that that scans the uh, the internet for our customers' data. We find the companies that have the name, address, home, uh, uh, phone number, email address, things like that. Uh, particularly by people search companies, um, and then we compel those companies to delete that data under uh, you know various legal obligations that those companies have, be they either FTC obligations or uh, uh, state privacy statutes like CPRA in California, CPA, and the, there are about twenty states that have uh, different um, privacy regulations that those companies are required to abide by. Right. So, I mean, this would protect uh, judges, uh, professionals, uh, teachers, uh, uh, professors, all, all sorts of people that couldn't get profiled and have really bad things happen if, uh, be, without their knowing that uh, the stalker is able to buy this information. Joe, that's right. And it's the thing about the, that, that, that example about uh, Justice Salas. There, there was a, a law that sat in committee for quite some time um, uh, after this event called the Judicial Privacy Act, and um, it, it really made it illegal for data brokers to sell the personal information of sitting federal judges uh, as a result of that horrible event. But it was limited that, to federal judges. It, and it sat in committee for a long time, really, because it only covered federal judges. And because the example implicated other folks, there were lawyers and doctors on the kill list. In fact, he actually shot a lawyer uh, using the same data. Yeah. It's problematic for the government to pass a law protecting itself, but not the rest of its citizens. After Justice Kavanaugh was attacked by um, a, a lunatic who flew from California, bought right. Justice Kavanaugh's home address from a data broker, showed up on his dorm doorstep with a, with a weapon. Uh, the police caught him and he was essentially bragging about how he was going to do the country's service by murdering Justice Kavanaugh. At Justice that point, the U.S. Supreme Court. I mean, the, 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 this has no political dimension. It could be on the right none whatsoever. or the left. It, it none whatsoever. Matter. It could be an abortion provider. It could, see, could be somebody who's, a, who's for uh, stopping abortion. Anybody could be a target. That's right. That's right. It's about boundaries. And do you, <laughs> is it okay? The company, without getting too much into the weeds uh, uh, of how it operates, is it a B2B service or do individuals engage your company or how, how does that work? Yeah, th that's a great question. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you helped me reel it back into that. We offer uh, this uh, this service to, to to individuals on our on our website. We certainly have a lot of um, frontline healthcare workers, uh, doctors, nurses, um, uh, m mental health uh, service folks, psychiatrists, things like that, as well as law enforcement, um, teachers, that, that sort of thing. Our service is primarily, uh, most of our customer base are, um, are organizations that recognize that this data, if there's a reasonable cost solution to 
uh, to, to, to remove it from the, the, the internet lowers the risk of phishing and cyber attacks to the organization in a meaningful way. And so um, most of our customers are uh, at this time are, um, are sort of large um, registered investment advisors, uh, FINRA regulated entities, um, folks like that, and, and a growing Securities number of, of law firms. Generally, for you know, those also, FINRA, they're brokers and uh, registered investment advisors, that sort of thing. And I assume you'd you'd also uh, universities. Uh, really, almost anyone can be a target of this. Their executives can be. Uh, so, it really, a broad range of uh, of companies and organizations could consider this. A- a- absolutely, um, um, universities. Absolutely, municipalities. Um, uh, and and I, I would also say law firms. There's been an, an, an uh, you know sort of a mushrooming uh, number of uh, cyber attacks on law firms, and they in many ways are you know fiduciary of of extraordinarily sensitive information. And um, again, if, if it's if it's one more way that an organization can lower their cyber risk. And it, it it protects the, the you know the, the physical security of their the people of the organization executives. as well. That's right. That's really what That's they're right. doing. Well, you mentioned earlier data broker uh, brokers are largely unregulated. It wasn't until a couple of years ago that Vermont, I think, first got into the act with just requiring them at least to to register. It didn't do much more than that, but it did that. And and you've had a you've had a couple of state laws, but as you say, they're they're largely un, unregulated. So what what what's your view? on how this uh, free scale, freewheeling sharing of personal data that seems to go on should be regulated in the United States. Yeah, there's no question that it is going to become regulated uh, because the uh, the lack of um, of meaningful regulation is resulting in, in harm. It's kind of like uh, the banking system becoming significantly over levered, um, hiding the leverage that it had for uh, the financial crisis in 2008. And um, that resulted in a catastrophe. And after that, there was a recognition that, hey, a lot of this behavior of the banks was hidden banking behavior just by another name. I think we're seeing the same thing with data brokers right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 Judicial Privacy Act became law in 2022. It was stuffed into the uh, Defense Reauthorization Act, so it's now illegal to traffic in the the PII of sitting federal judges. The data broker, uh, the 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 landscape of regulating data brokers is extremely active at the state level. Um, there is there are. Uh, data broker registries in a number of states, and most of those really just require the data broker to put their name on a list that's either held by a regulator or the right. AG at the state, like in California. But California is taking it to the next level. There, there's a, um, um, a, a a bill in the works in Sacramento called the Delete Act, which will require a centralized uh, means to uh, for all data brokers that are registered in the state to allow a a, a a California state resident to have all of their data deleted from every data database. So essentially, a like the do not call registry that the FTC has for cell phone users. States are looking at that as a mechanism, and I would say at the federal level, the the House held hearings in um, uh, in April around data brokers, and there's certainly a a lot of discussion about a similar mechanism for data brokers, um, although 
there was a um, uh, a Senate bill called the Ossoff Cassidy bill last year that really didn't go anywhere that that really wanted the same thing a central repository a, a register where uh, registry where um, a data broker was required to allow a very simple opt out for 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 citizens to be able to uh, to claim their privacy and tell data brokers you're not you're prohibited from from selling my personal information or that about my family. Right. Uh, so lawmakers are paying attention. We've got a long way to go. Yeah, we've mentioned uh, you know Finra. The uh, you know the securities laws have been with us since the depression, 1933 and 34 acts, and that regulated broker dealers who were buying and selling securities or stocks and bonds. Without that, can you imagine a world? Or you take real estate brokers. In most states, they have to pass an exam. They have to be licensed and regulated, and it all works. And it's not a you know a takeover of government by everything. But in data, we don't have that at all, do we? No, and it's 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 a um, it's a it's a straw man argument. I like the way that you the the way that you just described that. That's exactly right. When um, when big tech generally pushes back on this, or um, or sort of economic libertarians, this is the, they they'll make claims that this is simply too big of a marketplace to re- regulate. It's just all nonsense. The equity markets and the fixed income markets are the uh, are the envy of of, of the world. Uh, they're massive. The 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 literally the numbers of transactions that happen that are um, that are recorded uh, and and taxes that are paid, gap accounting that happens with every single one of these transactions. This is absolutely something that we can regulate in an orderly way to ensure that distortions don't cause catastrophic exactly. harm. And we have to think on a federal and a state level. And so that lies ahead. Well, let me let me turn to what advice you have, uh, Tom, for businesses, especially those uh, with uh, executives, professionals, others whose personal information almost makes them a target of male malactors in the data. Yeah. Th- and thanks for that. Well, first of all, I would say that, you know, if you are um, in in. Uh, in an organization, if you're um, the, not the CFO or or uh, the, the the CISO, the data that I'm talking about that that we remove uh, for executives, employees of an organization, this data is generally not covered under um, the, uh, the, the 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 security and cyber uh, retainers that are generally offered to organizations. So if you have a um, cyber insurance contract with Chubb or um, uh, uh, a, uh, a cybersecurity retainer with, with FireEye, Mandiant, or uh, uh, Bluevoyant, this data is still floating around. In, in this, if I may, these are big insurers in the cyber uh, security space. Yes. Yeah. Those are the guys that are specialists to make sure that you're cyber secure, the organization is right. cyber secure and, and protected against the cyber bad guys. They're, they're issuing a policy to the organization. And you're saying that excludes what? That does not remove the data about your employees that can be right. used to prosecute a cyber attack or phishing attack because these data brokers have this data unless you proactively remove it from the internet. So this we, we close that gap for organizations at what we think is a you know, an, uh, uh, a very cost-effective way. And it's not an uh, insurance product. You're not an insurance company. You you go out and force the companies to remove the data. Correct. We, right. we, we are a preventative measure. We are not um, a remediation after the bad event. It's kind of the distinction I would make is 
if a um, uh, if a consumer um, uh, buys identity theft insurance, what that really is, it's LifeLock or Allstate Armor. Uh, if 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 somebody steals your 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 identity and you have a cyber breach, you call them and 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 they help you correct that situation. There, there's even an insurance policy against that. What our service does is it deletes that data that those bad actors would need in order to steal your identity in the first, in the first place. place. Yeah, it's preventive right? rather than uh, just uh, kind of catching up on the damage loss. And well, it's the same logic for an organization, Joe. It's the same exactly. logic. Exactly. And, and so it's quite different from uh, what many people understand is out there. It's, it's uh, you know, it's preventive. Well, what top to two or three tips would you have for individuals about protecting their sensitive personal information better than they do today? The first thing I would say is um, don't give up your expectation of privacy. You have a right to privacy. And the second that you start to say, my data's out there, there's nothing I can do about it, it, it all is lost. Uh, first of all, it's factually untrue. It's a complete canard. And there are things that you can do uh, to protect your privacy. When that when that uh, when you go to the website and it says do not sell my data, make sure that you join the 95% of the world that says do not sell my data. I really don't know what the 5% of people who say go ahead and sell my data are doing. I suspect it's they really just don't it. sell or share my data. Do not sell or share my data. Um, That's tip number one that there is hope and don't give up. And what uh, what other tip or two do you have for people? I, I do think that that we believe that this data is addressable. The, uh, if you Google yourself and you see that uh, there are a number of companies that have uh, information about you and your family and it's offered for sale, there's a way to get that stuff removed and no good comes from it being outstanding. So again, another thing you can do, service like ours, or if you don't want to pay us to do it, you can, you can do it manually. It's a bear, it but it's obvious it's, too, but it's not really something any individual can do uh, on his or her own. Uh, looking at, they wouldn't even know the data breakers, uh, brokers to look for necessarily. It's, it's, it's hard to do. It's a lot of brain damage. Hard to do. Um, and, um, you know, finally, I would say, uh, you know, pay attention. Um, you know, you should do basic things like change your passwords, make sure that when that, when that software update um, shows up on your you know, on your, on your iPhone or your Android, make sure you keep it current because a lot of that is about making sure that, that, uh, that patches are in place to make sure that the bad guys can't get into your hardware. Use a password uh, manager, or, you know, take preventive steps yourself. Absolutely. That's right. Any last advice for our listening audience? Um, you know, I said this before, but um, I think it, 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 it bears repeating. Don't give up your expectation of privacy. Uh, you know, this is, this is more your world than mine, uh, Joe, but my understanding is that uh, Fourth, Amendment, uh, Fourth Amendment jurisprudence is, is undergirded by this belief that, hey, we have an expectation of privacy. And the moment that we all decide that, you know what, there is no privacy anymore. Well, um, if you let that sail away, then there's really nothing stopping, um, you know, the government from continuing to uh, ask Google for your data and, and telling, that, telling Google that they're not even allowed to notify you about, about that. Um, technology has a, has a, has a, uh, a weird way of, of, of evolving faster than, um, than, 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 
democracy can keep up and law- lawmakers can keep up. But we have an obligation as a democracy to insist that uh, that 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 our rights are, um, are 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 protected, and that's our job. So well, I'll leave it there. Up, we can all express our views about this to our legislators and to our regulators. We can all think about asking our organization, whether it's a business or a government entity, to help protect our privacy, and we can all do things about it. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And as always, I will close my uh, this episode by reminding us all, protecting your personal data begins with you.